If you follow Ohio State football, you've heard of Real Life Wednesdays. Well, now there's Real Pod Wednesdays, the new podcast here at 11 Warriors. Ever since I started here two years ago, people have been asking me why I don't have a podcast. Well, now I do. I'm here. Colin Hill is here. A new podcast here at 11 Warriors. We've still got the 11 Dubcast. It's still going strong, but now we've got a second podcast here at 11 Warriors to break down what's going on in Ohio State sports every week. Colin, I'm pretty excited about it. What do you think? Listen, I'm just I'm just excited that we actually got a name that I think that we both actually enjoy because we had been running through names and we couldn't find anything. I mean, what were some of the names that we had? Yeah, I mean, just to, uh, what was what was one of them? We had like we had uh, Inside the Beat and uh, there, there were some other suggestions. Just a bunch of simple stuff. Like we, tro- we tried Warriors. to get creative a little bit, and then we realized, you know what, you can only get so creative in three or four words, and then what? We we went out. Yeah, our, our yeah our boss uh, Jason Priestess he actually took us out and we had a couple drinks and we discussed this and we came up with Real Pod Wednesdays and I'm sure most of you are familiar for you're listening to an Ohio State Sports podcast but Real Life Wednesdays it's the program that Urban Meyer started at o, at Ohio State off the field we're thinking we're gonna we're gonna publish this on Wednesdays what's a name <laughs> maybe that, what's we a hope. Na- <laughs> that's the goal. So we figured, what's a what's a better name for, for an Ohio State sports podcast that nobody else is using? Because we know there's a lot of Ohio State podcasts out there. So we we added up with Real Pod Wednesdays. So here we are. Uh, you know, this is something that you know I think we've been talking about doing for a while. Uh, you know, should should we do a podcast uh, on Ohio State sports? And we decided as we get ready to start the new season here, this would be the perfect time to launch it. So. Uh, I think you know this is going to be an opportunity for Colin and I. Uh, hopefully, if you guys read Eleven Warriors, hopefully you recognize our names. But if not, we're the two beat beat writers at Eleven Warriors. I'm the lead football beat writer. Colin's the lead basketball beat writer. But of course, football is king in Columbus, so he covers a lot of football as well. Uh, and this is going to be an opportunity for us to kind of uh, maybe talk to you guys a little more informally than we do in our articles because. Uh, if you guys read 11 Warriors, you've, you've probably picked up on it that some of our writers are a little more informal, a little more humorous. Colin and I tend to be a little bit more serious. Uh, we're, n- we're not necessarily ones that are cracking jokes in our articles, but we want this to be a more casual conversation, and we want all of you to be a part of it. You know, We want you all to uh, submit your questions to us, uh, to give us your feedback on the show, and, and let us know what you want to hear about. And I think this is going to be an opportunity for us to uh, maybe talk about some stuff that you guys want to hear about and maybe debate back and forth a little bit. Believe it or not, Colin and I argue from times to times, and I think uh, from now on this can be an opportunity for us to kind of debate a little bit. <laughs> yeah, basically we only created this podcast so that we could debate about Justin Fields' Uh, C.J. Saunders, um, who else? Yeah, I'm, I'm a much bigger C.J. Saunders fan than Colin. I appreciate uh, the C.J. Saunders story. I think he's, he's an, he has an incredible story. I mean, so few people do that. But um, listen, you, you love yourself some C.J. Saunders. Let's, let's make this clear, though. We both agree that Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback. I'm not sure where Colin was going with that one, but we both agree that Justin Fields should be the starting okay, quarterback. I just wanted to get on that corner quickly. There's no, there's no question about that. But Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback, and that's one of the first things we're going to talk about uh, here in a minute. But you know, Colin, just you know, what do you think that you know you want the viewers to know about uh, this podcast that we're doing? You know, what are the things that uh, you want people to let us know or? Uh, what do you think we should talk about here? I think that everyone should know that I haven't been on a podcast. I haven't been a podcast host since I was like an underclassman in college. So 
I'm going to say some stuff that, I don't know, maybe I, like, I, I'm not going to say the stuff that I would regret, but say stuff that, like, I don't know what I'm doing. Because I, I still have to get back to, like, what am I doing here? I have this mic, I'm supposed to talk for, what, 40 minutes? We're aiming for 40, 50 minutes, 30, somewhere around that, somewhere around that range. So listen, any suggestions that any of you have, any feedback that any of you have, I think both of us will be all ears looking forward to it because when was the last time you did a podcast? Uh, it's It's been a while. I did one at my previous job. For those of you who don't know, I, I covered Clemson before us. I know that's a sore spot, but uh, when I was covering Clemson, me and a couple of my colleagues did a podcast there, but I haven't done one here. I've, I've been on podcasts, I've, uh, but I haven't, host, I haven't hosted one in a long time. I think the last time I actually hosted one like this where somebody else wasn't taking the lead was when I was in high school. Um, so it's been a while. I would hope that I'm a lot better back then. And and just so you're aware, that podcast is nowhere to be found on the internet. I've <laughs> That's looked, too bad. I've looked for it. It's not out there. If you want to try, be my guest. But I have not been able to find it because I've kind of wanted to listen to it myself just to like see how horrified I'd be. Uh, so it's it's not out there, but hopefully this will be better. We know you guys have a lot of options for Ohio State podcasts these days, uh, whether it's other media, whether it's people who have been involved in Ohio State sports or are currently involved in Ohio State sports. There's a lot of options out there. So uh, we hope that if, if there's something that you're not getting from a podcast you're already listened to that maybe we can bring to you guys. We hope you guys let us know, and uh, we, we want this to be something that you guys enjoy listening to. And uh, we'll get right into it now because, as Colin said, uh, we don't want to, we don't want this to be a two hour podcast because we know you all have busy lives and we know that uh, there's a lot of other podcasts you might already be listening to. So, uh, you know, we're going to try to not ramble on for too long. Only but, six minutes about why we're doing a podcast, right? Well, that was necessary, <laughs> I think, for this first episode. But we mentioned Justin Fields, and I think that's the first thing if we're going to do an Ohio State football podcast going into the season. That's kind of the first thing we have to talk about, and. Uh, to me, you know, I, I actually said it on the 11 dubcast uh, that, that came out on Tuesday. I was asked about Justin Fields and I said, this team is going to go as Justin Fields goes. And I've also said that I don't know if any player has ever started his Ohio State career with more hype and with more pressure on his shoulders than Justin Fields has. Because this is a quarterback who has never played a game at Ohio State. Now he's the starter at the most important position for the Buckeyes. And oh yeah, the depth chart behind him is just Gunnar Hoke and Chris Chuganov, who are not the greatest options as backup quarterbacks, if we're being honest here. Uh, nothing against those guys, but there's really only one quarterback who's got an elite skill set on this roster, and that's Justin Fields. So this season's going to go as he goes. And now the question is, this guy who was the number two overall recruit in the class of 2018, who's been so hyped, can he live up to the hype? Colin, what do you think? I mean, he's an interesting guy. I mean, when... When he sort of came across, um, we I think we all imagined that Dwayne Haskins was going to leave at some at some point last fall. You had to come to that realization. Um, I know Ryan Day still says that at the end he wasn't sure if Dwayne was going to go, but I don't I don't know who outside of outside of Ryan Day really thought that that was even a, a legitimate possibility. But but when Justin Fields comes in, and you sort of just look at his backstory, it's like this this is the classic guy who. He's been an athlete forever. He's this four foot. He's this four five, 
4-4 speed, somewhere around there. You look at his legs, he looks like he has J.K. Dobbins-like legs. He has an arm that won him the Elite 11 MVP over Trevor Lawrence. Like, what doesn't he have in terms of those physical characteristics? He just has stuff that, that, that people just literally don't have. If you look at even Dwayne Haskins, like Dwayne Haskins didn't, didn't have nearly the le- he, he didn't have nearly the legs that, that Justin Fields had or has. And I remember when KJ Hill first spoke, he said that Justin Fields is a better pure arm strength than, than, than Dwayne Haskins does. Like that, those are those, this is the kind of guy that's all of a sudden coming in, and you're like, you you wonder what can he be? Well, eventually, you hope if you're an Ohio State fan, and if you're Ryan Day, that he's gonna be a, the Heisman Trophy uh, finalist, the Heisman Trophy winner. But the the guy's thrown 39 career passes. He's played one year in college football. He's had eight months in Ryan Day's system. He's never started a game. Yeah. So like, I'm- what's my level of confidence? Certainly, I'm not going to expect him to walk in there and and, and and win the Heisman this year. I think that he has these kind of, he has these traits that can take him places, but I, but I think that the, the, there's a level of expectation that needs to be tempered with him. Yeah, I mean, I think Ryan Day summed it up this week. He said, "I think the sky is absolutely the limit for this kid," and he's right. I mean, everything that Colin just said—the arm, the legs. He has all the physical tools that you're looking for. If you were creating a quarterback on Madden, yeah. this is the, he's going to look a lot like Justin Fields in terms of his physical tools. So the traits are all there, but there's a difference between standing out in an Elite 11 camp and playing in a college football game in front of 100,000 fans in Ohio Stadium. So. I think we'd be crazy to think there's not going to be growing pains. I, I think we'd be naive to think that he's going to come in and light the world up right away. What, what, what in your opinion, it's like I, I sort of know where I, where I stand on this, but, but when he came in, what were your expectations? Like, what are they now? For this year only, for this year alone. Because this is, I think long term, everyone thinks that Justin Fields has this Heisman ability. But what really matters is right now, Ryan Day's first first year, what's he going to do? Yeah, I mean, I can't honestly say that they've changed because I don't think we've seen enough for them to change. You know, it, it's probably the question I've been asked the most when I've been on other podcasts or radio shows or, or such of this offseason is just how has Justin Fields looked? And the reality is we've seen 430-minute portions of practice this month in which the quarterbacks stand on the opposite end of the field and we can't really see anything. So That wasn't enough for you? I mean, come on, Dan. It wasn't. So we kind of have to go off of what the coaches say. And the problem is you have to try to decipher what's coach speak and what's real. Because if you listen to Ryan Day, when the month started, it was, we're not sure about Justin yet. We got to see how he looks. And then a week later, it's, well, he's looking good. He's really making strides. So you can see the the wheels are in motion for what we all knew was going to ultimately happen and him being named the starter. And now, since he's been named for starter, all of a sudden, it's the sky's the limit. This guy's got all the potential in the world. And I think that probably is a two-pronged approach, where part of it is Justin Fields actually really has looked better as he's gone, as he's gained more practice experience. And part of it probably is the coaches kind of slowly building him up. Like we want to temper expectations. We want to temper expectations, but now that he's our guy, let's make sure that he's confident. Let's make sure that we, 
we are letting him know that we have full faith in him and this team has full faith in him. So it's always kind of a Tova line. We got to see what happens on Saturday. And I think depending on what we see Saturday, granted not against the toughest defense in Florida Atlantic, but I think what we see Saturday is, is then going to reset the expectations from there. Yeah. The Justin, I mean, the thing is we could talk about Justin Fields for like three hours. We could, even though we've never actually seen him start a game. And the only times that we've seen in the past eight months have been from approximately 120 yards away. Yet, Yet he's this, he's so incredibly interesting with just his backstory and where he came from and the fact that Ohio State was willing to essentially risk tearing apart its quarterback room just to get him and then to have basically no one behind him. And I think it was the right move, but it's the move that it's it's the move that's really gonna define the first two, three years of, of Ryan Day's tenure at Ohio State. Well, I think we can promise you this. We're going to talk about Justin Fields a lot on this show all season long. As Colin said, we could keep going on, but let's move on to the rest of the offense. We already know J.K. Dobbins is going to be starting running back. We already know K.J. Hill is going to be a reliable player in that receiving core. The question is, who else is going to step up on this offense? Uh, There's a lot of talent, but also a lot of guys that are unproven Colin, who are one or two other guys on that offense, whether up front, in the receiving core, wherever, that you think are going to be breakout players this year? Man, it's hard. It's, it really is hard. If you just look around, just the, what they lost, and especially Paris Campbell and, and Terry McLaurin, it's just hard to look at that wide receiver core and, and think of it compared to last year. It just it feels like they're either going to need to have guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson make these astronomical leaps early in their careers or, or or they might take a step back as a unit which i think it's okay i i, I think that's fine but but that once again like i don't want to i don't want to skip over jk dobbins necessarily just because i think jk dobbins could be even more important to this offense than justin fields just in the way that i think early in the season they're going to rely on him so heavily he doesn't really have a true backup. Demario McCall right now looks to be the backup at the moment, but he's certainly not going to be the, the 20, 25 carry a game guy if, if anything ever happened to, to JK this year. Um, I just look at, I look at what Dobbins has to do in this offense and everyone said the right things about him. He has taken this leadership approach that got him voted team captain. He's lost 4% body fat. We've, we've heard all of this. Um, I think he is, arguably the most important player. And, and, I, and I mentioned him because I'm not 100% sure who's going to step into those the, those roles beside him and, and K.J. Hill. It's, like I mentioned, it's Olave, it's Austin Mack, it's Ben Victor, it's Garrett Wilson, it's Luke Farrell. And you look at each of them, and like you can, I could see each of them making the leap, but there's no one who I've pointed to yet and I, or I've heard people talk about and been like, oh, He's, he's absolutely going to have a monster year. I mean, maybe I'd say Austin Mack or Chris Olave, but I'm certainly not saying that with a, with a high degree of confidence. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and be confident. I'm going to say Chris Olave. You, you know this. Yeah, I've I know told you're you this before. Uh, I'm pretty bullish on Chris Olave. I think that Chris Olave, uh, just looking at what he did last year and, and the way people in the program talk about him and just the trajectory that he seems to be on, I think Chris Olave, if I were predicting in terms of you know who's going to be the most productive receivers this year, I would put Chris Olave number two behind K.J. Hill. I think he is going to have a really big year. 
Uh, he he may or may not start at the beginning of the year, depending on whether Austin Max healthy. Uh, regardless, I won't be surprised if he's starting uh, before long. Because and he's, I, he's just different too, because you lost Ohio State lost three speed guys, and you look at Austin Mack, Ben Victor, and Garrett Wilson, and like I don't think anyone's going to write home about their speed. It's not like they're slow, but they're not they're not Terry McLaurin and Paris Campbell. I also think Garrett Wilson's going to be a stud. Though, I, I, I certainly do. Uh, I don't. <laughs> speed's like not going to his yeah. four, not being not running a four two is not going to hold him. Yeah, back. I mean for him, it's all about those ball skills, and I think he's got those really special ball skills that. I don't know if we've seen it at Ohio State since maybe Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's got those really elite hands and ability to contort his body and make those highlight real catches that are going to make him uh, a star in this offense sooner than later. I'm not necessarily going to predict that in week one because uh, he's a true freshman, <laughs> but I do think that by the end of the year there's a really good chance that uh, Garrett Wilson is, is going to be a, a major playmaker for this offense. There's a chance it's out of necessity too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I, I like we talked about. I think Austin Max, a guy. I mean, Austin Max's been hurt again in camp, so right now we just can't be sure exactly what they're going to get out of him because we don't know his health. Uh, Ohio State that's not talking about injuries. We're not going to find out until Friday if he's going to be able to play or not. So we're not exactly sure to get at him. You've written about it, Colin. I think Benjamin Victor at this point probably is what he is. I think he will make some big plays this year. I don't think he's going to be a guy that's catching six passes a game. I just don't think that's who he is. So I do think for Chris Olave, for Garrett Wilson, those are the two guys who you really look at as guys who can step up. You know, Jalen Gill's got a lot of potential. Uh, I still think C.J. Saunders is a guy that could play a a small role and and make some catches, but he's not going to – He's not. He's not going to be a star for this offense. I don't think so. Uh, there's a lot of guys. Uh, I do think their receiving core is going to be really strong again. They're they're going to miss the leadership of Paris and and Terry McLaurin and Johnny Dixon. There's no question about that. That's interesting because I actually don't think that when I think about their receiving core, I'm not thinking this is a strength of the team. I'm not saying it's bad. Like I, I'm not. I'm not this hot take artist. But I also think that that you have KJ Hill, who's Who's undoubtedly the best wide receiver on the team, the most productive wide receiver on the team? But I just I look at I look around at the guys behind him, and I can see I can see it working out for each of them. But I can also I can also see why Austin Mack would be held back in the same way that he has. But I can see why maybe Olave doesn't have the the breakout season that that I think he's going to have. A, I think he's going to have a big year. But I also can see why he might not. I can see why Garrett Wilson might be held back just as a true freshman. Yeah, you know, I think I think that's going to be a, a really interesting uh, thing to see is uh, who steps up and who doesn't. I think there's a ton of potential in that receiving core, mm-hmm. but you're right that outside of KJ Hill, basically everybody's unproven. And I think the same thing can be said about the offensive line, Definitely. where I think you are someone who's really bullish on the offensive Very line. Much so. I think they have a ton of potential, but I think I'm a little bit more reserved because of the fact that. You've only got one returning starter up front in Thayer Munford, and that one returning starter has underwent back surgery this offseason, and he is going to start on Saturday. It sounds like he's healthy, but you never know when somebody's undergone a major surgery like that. So to me, you have to say there are at least some question marks at all five positions on the offensive line. And now I think all five could be great. Uh, Brandon Bowen, he was just named on Tuesday as the starting right tackle for the game on Saturday. 
a great story, somebody who's overcome a lot of injuries, and somebody who I think is extremely hungry to finish his career on a good note. I really think he's going to do well, but he hasn't played since 2017, so we still got to see it. And then inside, Jonah Jackson's a guy, he's played at Rutgers, he did well there, but this is Ohio State, it's a little bit of a different beast. And then Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis, those are probably the two guys I'm most bullish on in terms of guys who I think can really be breakout players on this interior offensive line. But Wyatt Davis has started two games. Josh Myers has started zero. There's still a lot of unknowns there. There are, but I'm all in. You've known (laughs) this. You've known this since the spring because I remember um, at some point Ryan Day had mentioned, I think it was after the spring game, he mentioned that offensive line was still his chief concern, which makes sense when you look around and, and you see that they have one returning starter and he's also essentially spending the entire offseason recovering from an injury. It makes sense, but if I just look position by position, I I, I look at Thayer Munford, I think that he I think he was relatively underrated for a guy who came in as a first year starter who was lower ranked in his class than Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers, yet yet he's the guy who started last year, and he's back. And I know that he's had these health concerns, but even behind him, I think Joshua Alabi, I think he's solid. I think that he's a guy that they can trust as a fifth-year senior. Jonah Jackson, like you mentioned, sure, Ohio State's a different beast than Rutgers. No one would <laughs> – good luck debating that one. But but he, I think he was largely regarded as their best player. Some – you want to you dispute? No, no, I wasn't going to dispute oh. that at all. I was just going to remind you that it's Joshua Alibi, as oh. both of us have struggled with. It's Joshua Alibi. I'm never going to. I'm never going to remember anyway. Not a lobby. Oh. No, that that one's hurt me for five years now. I'm never going to learn it. Apparently, but uh, looking inside, like you mentioned, Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis. I when I looked back at the Wyatt, Wyatt Davis's two starts at the end of last year, I mean, he's someone who I look at as a potential first team All Big Ten member this year in his first full season as a starter. And the way, just the way people talk about Josh Myers, it's one of these funny things as a reporter, like what we do, because we can't watch all these practices. It's essentially trying to hear things secondhand, trying to hear what are you hearing? Like everything that I have heard, everything everything that people have said about Josh Myers has been positive. There just hasn't been a lot of, oh, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about this guy. Because if you remember a year ago, people wondered whether he can pass block. Like that was that was a, that was a real thing, and it and it was real. I I think Josh Myers has even admitted he wasn't he wasn't very good in that area. But right now, I think he's about as I think I think he's an upgrade. I think that their interior line is an upgrade. And if you look outside, I just I believe in Thayer I believe in Thayer Munford healthy, and I believe in his backup. And then on the right side, I I do think there is concern there. I'm not I'm not going to deny that. You look at Brandon Bowen and two years ago. I thought he was a very strong starter at right guard, and I mean he's hasn't even played in a year and a half and, and now he's going to step out there. That's, I think it would be hard pressed to say that I have a ton of confidence and a ton of confidence in him, but, but he's someone who once again, they've said a lot of positive things about it. he's someone who didn't come in exactly as healthy as I think he wanted to yet. He won the job anyway throughout the off season. And that's commendable. Yeah, I mean, I, you, you did mention that. I, I think that's an interesting point you made about Josh Myers because he's, you know, we've seen it with this staff, and it's not it's not Urban Meyer here anymore. So I think part of some of this might have been with him, but 
And this is a team that has been very, very reluctant to start first-year offensive linemen at center. And there just doesn't really seem to be any qualms about Josh Myers. I think Ryan Day said on Monday that uh, I often forget that he's a first-year uh, first starter because that's just how solid he is. So uh, I think I think that uh, you know I think there's a lot of potential for his offensive line, as we said. I think we got to see how it plays out on Saturday and. On that note, let's shift over to the defense because this has been – Speaking of wanting to see it play out. Exactly. I mean, this is this has been probably – other than Justin Fields, this has been the topic of the offseason. Is, is this defense going to bounce back? Uh, the players are sick of hearing about last year, and uh, if things go well on Saturday for the defense, then we won't be talking about last year next week. But uh, this is a defense that had a lot of problems last year. Uh, they've got a new coaching staff. They've got a lot of returning starters, so it's going to be a lot of the same players, but it's going to be a new coaching staff, a new scheme. There's a lot of optimism about this defense, but there's always a lot of optimism this time of year. Is this defense really going to deliver when the big games come? Uh, Florida Atlantic coming up this weekend isn't a team that should really be any threat to Ohio State in terms of having a chance to beat Ohio State, but in terms of having some explosiveness on offense. Uh, this team has been pretty good on offense in the Lane Kiffin era, and Lane Kiffin is a creative offensive mind. Uh, the word everybody at Ohio State's been using is innovative. Uh, he's usually aggressive, and, and they've got some players. They've got a really good tight end uh, named Harrison Bryant. I think, they, I think they're going to be decent on offense. So I think this will be a decent test for the defense, maybe not a big one, but I think it'll be a decent test for the defense. What are the things, Colin, that you really need to see from that defense on Saturday to feel confident that they've turned a corner. This has been such a fascinating offseason, off just trying to trying to learn and piece together this defense. It has been. Because, I mean, every single bit of information, we've tried to figure out, all right, how, how does this puzzle fit together? And I think, I think we're almost there, yet, yet I, I still feel so far away. I still feel like we have to, we have to actually see this in action because if you talk to the players, I mean, you talk to, to Sean Waite, Jeff Okuda, Damon Arnett, they talk about Jeff Halfley like, like Jeff Halfley just won three Super Bowls in a row and is now coming to save their defense. I mean, you talk, you talk to the linebackers, or especially the linebackers' coaches, and they have this optimism that there's absolutely a rebound happening. Um, what I'm looking for is them, did they play faster? Do, the, do these guys who I think you you especially looked at linebacker who are behind guys who, who who let up big plays are they playing faster are they making the correct reads quickly that's that those are the things that we just didn't see last year and the funny thing is like you mentioned this is a lot of the same personnel it, I think it's going to be tough Borland Pete Warner um, Malik Harris and a linebacker I think it's going to be Jeff Okuda Sean Wade Jordan Fuller Damon Arnett. Uh, in the defensive backfield, you have Brendan White there too. I mean, th those are the exact same guys that last year were on a defense that allowed 400 yards per game. Yeah, I mean, this isn't uh, a, a defense that, in terms of personnel, is going to look drastically different at all. The question is, is the play going to look drastically different? Is the scheme going to be drastically different? And I think, I think that kind of brings up an interesting point because I think both of us, and I'm guessing a lot of Ohio State fans out here, kind of thought hey, a new coaching staff is going to come in. Uh, maybe the guys who played last year aren't necessarily going to have a leg up on the guys who are coming in. 
And if you, we haven't gotten an official depth chart yet, but if you look at who's projected to start on both sides of a ball, the guys who played last year who are returning are all in line to play a lot again this year. There's not any drastic changes happening. And I think part of that is because you do have a head coach who's been on staff. You do have some returning coaches who uh, know what those guys have done in the past. But what it also tells me is that guys like Tuff Borland and, and Pete Werner, uh, as much as people might think uh, they struggled last year and that you know they might not be the right guys for the job, that tells me that Al Washington's come in as linebackers coach, Greg Madison's come in as defensive coordinator, Jeff Halfley's come in as defensive coordinator, and these are the guys who have been the most impressive in the spring and summer. Now, can that translate over to game action? We will find out because it didn't last year, but I do think a lot of the issues last year were scheme-related, uh, whether that was playing linebackers right up against the line or, or making things too confusing. I think – Isaiah Pryor. Isaiah Pryor said, said it best. Isaiah Pryor said, and it's one of these funny things where we've asked about this defense simplification is the is the word that we've we've heard dating back to the spring. And just last week, we heard I heard Isaiah Pryor say something that it was just enlightening to me. He said that they probably have about twenty different um, coverage schemes this year. And last year, they had they had so many more, and it, it was really because every single week they were trying to put in something new, something new to to affect whichever opponent that they were going to face. And instead, they've put in these schemes, and during the season, they don't anticipate that they're going to be adding things every single week. And they're they're not going to, even though Jeff Halfley comes from the NFL, they're not going to be doing these overly complex um, things that they're that that defensive backs who are. 19, 20, 21 year olds are going to have to learn in like three days. That's not what they're going to do. And to me, it makes sense not being a football expert, but but it does make sense that, okay, well, they've learned these 20 or so coverage schemes. They have these packages. Well, maybe it'll confuse the defense. It'll confuse offenses by just sort of moving, shifting between them rather than playing this, this one scheme against each opponent and having to perfect it every single week and and maybe some weeks it's you don't perfect it and and it leads to some of the games that that we saw last year yeah i mean it's hard to say because sometimes it seems like this is going to be a more complex defense with more different looks each week but it it almost seems like based on what isaiah Pryor said and kind of what you were explaining right there that there are going to be more different looks used within games than we might have seen in an individual game last year. Yes. But the goal here is it's all stuff that's taught before the season. It's all designed to be plug-and-play is the word they use a lot in terms of each guy's got his role. I don't think – I think we would see last year where, especially say the linebackers, where they really didn't rotate at all. But if, if they wanted to do something different schematically – then they were simply asking uh, Pete Warner or Tough Bourne or Malik Harrison to do something completely different than they did the week before. Whereas I think with this defense, especially adding moving Brendan White to the bullet and some of the depth that they have at positions where if they want to do something different, they might train somebody who's not a starter to come in and play that role. And, and I think we can also see it where you know, one week they're going to be in base four free the whole game and Pete Warner is going to play the whole game. And then the next week they're going to have Brendan White on the field as a bullet the whole game and Pete Warner might play 20 snaps. I think I think this defense is not going to necessarily be tied down in 
playing certain players as much as it's going to be who's the best guy to fit to match the personnel that the opponents are going to have against us. And it's going to be interesting to see how they balance that over the course of a year between uh, who the best 11 are, who deserves to be on a field, and maybe who matches up better with a different opponent. Mm-hmm. You want to move on to FAU real quick? I think quick? we should, yeah. I think we should move on to FAU. And it will be quick. Yeah, it's going to be real quick because... That's how long Justin Fields is going to be in the game. <laughs> we'll see about that. But it is... A, it, if The last I checked, the spread for this game was 27.5 points. This game really shouldn't be close. Now, granted, we saw plenty of games last year that weren't supposed to be close that ended up being a lot closer than they should have been. So uh, we shouldn't necessarily assume that they're going to run away with this run right away, especially with a first-year starting quarterback, with all the inexperience on offense, with all the changes on defense. But this game shouldn't be in any doubt. There, there, there's, there's no reason that FAU should should win this game uh, Ohio State should be able to win this game fairly comfortably so uh, this isn't so much about who's going to win or what the final score is going to be but this is about this is the first time you've played in eight months and you've you've had all these practices you've had all this preparation but now it's time to actually go do it and uh, if you listen to the coaches uh, both Ryan Day and, and Jeff Halfley was talking about today too it seems like the one thing that's a really big point of emphasis, and it should be after what we saw from the defense last year, is is tackling. That seems like the, the, the number one thing they really want to see is they want to see guys make tackles. And that's always a point of emphasis going into that first game because they don't tackle much in, in practice. Justin Fields hasn't been tackled at all because he wears a non-contact jersey in practice. So uh, I think those are the things. It's going to be seeing how these guys play in a full contact game for 60 minutes. And and I, I actually think that we. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they balance this with Justin Fields in terms of do they leave him in the game longer than maybe they would just because to get him more experience, or do they pull him as soon as they feel comfortable to, to protect him. I think that's a very fine line to walk with Justin Fields in terms of this guy needs game experience, but you also don't want to get him hurt in the third quarter if you've got a 28-point lead. Man, everything about Justin Fields is interesting. Even when he comes out of a game is interesting. It is. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it is when you're a starting quarterback at Ohio State. You're always going to be a topic of discussion, and, and I think especially this year if Justin Fields, uh, with his talent, with the way the quarterback depth chart stacks up, uh, especially these first few weeks. You know, I anticipate uh, we're writing our post-game stories on Saturday. I anticipate mine's probably going to be about Justin Fields unless something else crazy happens in the game because uh, I think most likely how well he performs or does not perform is most likely going to be the biggest story of Saturday's game. All right, you want to – I just want to run through real quick just like – Almost rapid fire, just back and forth. Who are who are three guys who you're just gonna have your eyes on the entire game, and even not even during the game, but like, cause cause I can I can th- already think of one of mine who I I'm gonna have to watch on like a replay because it's it's a position that you know I'm probably not gonna be staring at the entire game, but but I don't know if you have any off the top of your head or, or if you want if you want me to drop one, but I mean we'll go ahead and start with Tough Borland and Pete Warner because these are the two guys who have been through the ringer. All off season, criticism after criticism for these guys, uh, and this is their chance to go out there and and prove themselves uh, because uh, 
you know, this is it. I mean, this is, and, 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 and I think it's going to be interesting for them too, because we've talked about this before. It's a little bit of a different topic, but how long is their leash going to be? If they struggle in this first game, uh, will they be willing to make changes quickly and bring other guys in, or are they going to really ride these guys and see what they can? My personal feeling is I, I think they're going to play better than people expect, but uh, I'm definitely going to be watching them closely because uh, of all the the criticism that they faced and, and those being two guys that I think really need to play better. Uh, it's kind of a random guy, but I thought it was really interesting uh, in Tuesday's press conference, Ryan Day, uh, he won't confirm that Jonathan Cooper is not going to play on Saturday, but based on everything we've heard, I don't think Jonathan Cooper is going to play on Saturday. And the first guy he mentioned when he was asked about who might fill in for him was Javante Jean-Baptiste. That was not a name that I expected to hear. And that, that kind of made me feel like there's a guy who didn't play at all last year that might play quite a bit on Saturday in this season. So, there's another guy that I'm I'm quite interested to watch. So, so you remember when I said, let's go back and forth, and you stole my guys? I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, here's the thing about this team, though. Like, there are like 20 guys who I could pick here, so 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 I'm going to be okay. So are those your three guys? Is there yeah, anyone those, else? Those, All right. We'll go with those three. I just wanted to, I just wanted to make sure. Don't want right. to steal any more from you. Listen, I, I, I have to say Brandon Bowen slash Nick Petit Frere. Because that's 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 the position on the offensive line. We mentioned it earlier. I have confidence in, in Josh Myers. I have confidence in Wyatt Davis. I have confidence in Jonah Jackson, even though I've actually never seen him play in person other than when he was on Rutgers and I wasn't paying attention to the fact that this guy was actually going to be a Buckeye one day. And, and I have confidence in Thayer Munford, provided he's healthy. But there's this part of me that, that just wonders, like, what – what it, one, one, what did Brandon Bowen do to beat out the number one overall offensive line recruit in 2018? Because we talk about this, um, this idea that maybe he's the guy that we have the least confidence in, but he just beat out the guy who, who I think a lot of people pegged when, when Ohio State signed him as potentially the future at left tackle for the Buckeyes. And that's, that's, who, that's who Brandon Bowen beat out when he hasn't even been on the field since 2017 for a game. Um, moving on, Brandon White. I know you've, you've talked a lot about the bullet um, throughout the offseason. And he, he's a guy who I just want to see how they use. I have no idea how they're going to use them if I'm, if, if I'm being honest. Like, I, ha- I think he's going to play at all, at all three levels. I think he's going to defend the run. I think he's going to blitz. I think he's going to drop into coverage. I'm not going to lie to you and say, like, I know exactly how they're going to use him because he sort of can do everything in the way that they talk about him is in a way that, that, that sort of they talk about Sean Wade and that he can, he can do anything and they're going to they're gonna line him up and, 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 and make him do these, these different things. Um, what, just, just pausing there, what, what do you expect out of Brenton White? Because we talked a lot about the bullet, but do you still feel like you had like, – do you, do you feel like you understand what, what exactly he's going to provide them? Because you even asked about it today to Jeff Halfley, and I thought it was a good question, and then I wasn't exactly sure what Halfley meant in his answer. I really don't. I think that's I, – I agree with you. He's one of the most fascinating players going into this year because it seems like he's basically the backup Sam linebacker. But one thing I do think that is interesting, this is actually why I asked about it, and actually – uh, somebody on Twitter kind of mentioned this to me yesterday and put the idea in my head. I think his name's Dan Hughes. So if you're listening, thanks for giving me an idea. Shut up. But uh, but um, this is a team that's got a really good tight end, 
and I I was talking to an FAU beat writer, um, and and he told me that he thought FAU would use a lot of two tight end sets on Saturday. So I think that could lead to a lot of playing time for Brendan White because when we talked to Brendan White a couple weeks ago, one of the things he said is that uh, it's going to kind of depend on that threat at tight end, whether he's in the game. And, and their guy, Harrison Bryant, is a really good receiving tight end. So I think that could lead to more playing time for him. And I think it could also lead to situations where him and Pete Warner might be on the field together if they have two tight end sets and maybe a tough Borland comes off the field. You know, maybe mm-hmm. Malik Harrison shifts over to middle linebacker and they have both Brendan White and Pete Warner in there because they need another guy with more coverage ability out there. So uh, I think they can do a lot of mix and match things with him. I think that's kind of the idea. Uh, but I also think it could be a situation where, you know, one week he plays a lot more than another week. And mm-hmm. I think, I think with his new role, He's somebody that in a game that's maybe like a, a run-heavy offense, like a Wisconsin or a Michigan State, I don't know how much he's going to play un- unless they're going to take that slot corner that, that Sean Wade role has been playing off the field. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance that uh, with those guys because I think there's a lot of things they can do with them. But but I'm not sure what they're going to do. It almost them. feels right now if you take the four defensive linemen and you take Jordan Fuller, Damon Arnett, Jeffrey Okuda, Sean Wade in the secondary, then Malik Harrison, Tuff Borland, Pete Warner, and then Brendan White. It feels like they have 12 starters on defense right now, which means one of those eight guys is going to be off the field. And it feels right now like the guy who's going to get the least playing time out of that group is Brendan White. But I think that could vary from week to week, and I could be completely wrong. My last guy, Demario McCall. Feel like I just need to just say his name. We haven't said it, ha- haven't said it yet. I feel like we shouldn't go up our first podcast without mentioning the fact. Oh, wait, I did say it. You did say it. All right. Yeah. You know, a double dipping well, with Demario. You said it. We said it twice. Thing. He he's worthy of being talked about twice. All right. Well, we're getting toward the back end of our podcast here. I want to make sure we get our predictions for the season in here. Just I think to make sure that we anger everyone because neither of us are going to pick them to go undefeated. No, we're not going to go pick him to go undefeated. I think that would be unrealistic uh, for a team of a first-year coach, a first-year starting quarterback, uh, a lot of changes on defense. Uh, I think picking this team to go undefeated would be unrealistic. But this is still a team that's the most talented team in the Big Ten on paper. This is still a team that, in my opinion, should be favored in every game they play right now. Some people have Michigan as a favorite for that last game of the year. I've reached the point after wrongfully picking Michigan to win last year that until Jim Harbaugh wins the big game, I just can't pick Michigan to beat Ohio State, and that's an objective opinion. I just can't do it until Jim Harbaugh proves he can go out and win the big game. So I feel like the schedule, I feel like it sets up pretty well for Ohio State because they finish with Penn State and Michigan. And I think this is a team that's going to progressively get better on both sides of the ball as the year goes along. Because I think as Justin Fields and that offensive line gain experience, they're going to get better. And I feel like as this defense settles into its new scheme, they're going to get better. So I think this is a team that's got a shot to win the Big Ten. I think this is a team that's got a shot to make a college football playoff run. What's your pick, I, though? I, I, I keep going back and forth on it. In my pick for the site, I, I picked Ohio State to make the college football playoff. I, I'd been saying all along I was going to go 10-2 and two for this team for a record, 
And then it's like, where, where exactly are they going to lose? Now, granted, we saw what happened at Maryland last year where they almost lost. This, you know, There can be a loss anywhere. But I do think they're going to lose at least one game. What I, 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 this is my view, is I think the, the key portion of this season is going to be the four-game stretch where they play Nebraska, they play Michigan State, they play Northwestern, they play Wisconsin. I think those are all four games that Ohio State could lose and I think how well they get through that stretch. You know, I, I, think, I actually think Cincinnati is going to give Ohio State a game in week two, but you look at those first four games, FAU, Cincinnati, Indiana, Miami, Ohio, uh, none of those teams should beat Ohio State. So they should be 4-0 going to Nebraska. If you put a gun to my head and ask me which game is Ohio State going to lose right which now. Which I will not do. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but I would pick Nebraska, and that's been a popular pick. Um, but that's kind of a one to me. It's going to be Ohio State's first long road trip of the season. Uh, I think Adrian Martinez is the real deal. I think that's going to be by far the toughest test of the season to date for that defense. If there's one game that I have circled is like, this is the most likely loss for Ohio State this season, I'm picking that road game at Nebraska. Uh, but I think even if they get through that, uh, I think that road game at Northwestern has some Iowa-Purdue to it that if you know you you could fall asleep going into that game and if you if you don't bring your a game i think northwestern's a team that's just good enough to potentially embarrass them if they don't bring their a game uh but i think if they can get through that portion if they can get through those first eight games at seven and one which i think is realistic then i think they i think they can finish strong enough at the end of the year because a lot of times we saw it at Maryland last year, they're going to overlook that game the week before Michigan, but they're not going to overlook Penn State. And Michigan, they're not going to overlook Michigan, of course. That's a game they prepare for all year. And then before those two, they get Rutgers, which is a game that they can afford to overlook, and they're still going to win. So I, I think this team can go 11-1. and one. I don't feel confident picking that because there's is that your pick though that's your official pick that's my pick i'm picking 11 and one i was going to go 10 and two and i've changed my mind and i'm picking 11 and one what just just the like what was the one thing or what was the biggest thing that made you change your mind i think it's really what i said about i think they can finish strong at that end portion of the season and i think like i said i think there's two key stretches in this schedule and i think it's that middle portion of four games and those two games at the end of the year. And uh, my feeling is they're going to drop one in that four-game stretch and they're going to bounce back. They've got two bye weeks there, which helps too, because uh, those extra bye weeks are going to help them manage any issues that might come up, especially if there is a loss. And then I think that sets them up to finish the season strong. And I also think that this is my feeling, and I could be wrong, and I don't, because Urban Meyer is one of the greatest college football coaches of all time. I mean, just talking strictly in terms of the championships he's won and the amount of games he's won, uh, there's not a lot of coaches who have done it better than Urban Meyer. But I don't think there's going to be a big step back for this team just because Urban Meyer is not the coach anymore. I think there could be a step back because Dwayne Haskins isn't here anymore. I think there could be a step back because of a lot of other questions of the team, but I don't think there's going to be some huge step back in terms of uh, this team is going to all of a sudden go eight and four, assuming Justin Fields stays healthy. If Justin Fields gets hurt, we can throw all of this out the window. 
uh, there's a lot of potential for things to go really bad if Justin Fields gets hurt. But assuming Justin Fields stays healthy, I think an 11-1 season, a run to the college football playoff is realistic. I, I'm not going to bet money on it, but I think that uh, I think it's I think that's realistic, and I think that's still the expectation, uh, whether it should be or not. I mean, Gene Smith said it the day that he hired Ryan Day. The expectations do not change here at Ohio State. And this is a team, 24-7 Sports on Monday, released their composite team rankings based on roster talent. And Ohio State has the number two most talented roster in the country based on recruiting rankings of players. So when you inherit a roster that talent, you inherit the same expectations. And that means the expectations are to win the Big Ten, are to win the college football, or not to win the college football playoff, because I'm not picking that. I, uh, to win the Big Ten, to make a college football playoff run, I don't think this team's going to beat Clemson or Alabama, uh, but I do think that, you know, they, I think that the Big Ten and the college football playoff are still the goal. And if you can win the Big Ten and put yourself in a position to be in that playoff conversation, then I think that would be a successful first season for Ryan Day. Yeah, I think Your it's thoughts? A, I think it's, a, I feel like you need a deep breath. I ran through all my takes. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. Um, I think. I think the expectation for Ryan Day has to be the same as Urban Meyer, but I also think that's 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 insanely difficult. I mean, yes. we saw we saw the standard that Urban Meyer set um, on the recruiting trail, on the field, and big games. He won a college football playoff title. It's <laughs> stepping into this job for Ryan Day. You can't you you can't you can't overstate how difficult it's going to be. Um, so you look at 11-1, all right, first year, that, that would obviously be a success. 12-0, obviously a success. 10-2, probably a success, depends on who you beat. To me, that's like, it's kind of like the baseline. Like To, to me, 10-2 with a win over Michigan is the baseline. I don't think I you can yeah. get too mad about that. I think if they went 9-3, I think that would be a disappointment. It which be. is Which to most programs is absurd that that's just such, that's an outright disappointment. But but that is at Ohio State. Um I've gone so back and forth on my picks um, throughout basically the past eight months. Just in looking at the schedule, there's part of me that says, well, there's like seven games that I could actually see them losing. Like, like I know that we wouldn't have said Purdue or Iowa would, would get them in years past, but if you look at Cincinnati, I think, could beat them. Nebraska. I think that Nebraska, Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, even though Ohio State is more talented than all of them, I'm not going to deny that 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 any of them have a chance to beat Ohio State. Right. Um, and then you look at Penn State and Michigan, I think they could beat them. At the same time, like which of those teams do you look at and you're like, oh, man, Ohio State's going to have a real difficult challenge there. Right. There's not many. There really aren't. And then if you look at Ohio State and, and just the way that I view them, I, I, I think Justin Fields is super talented. I think he's going to need time to, to ingratiate himself into the offense to figure out exactly how he's going to fit in, in, in year one. I think that J.K. Dobbins is going to be solid. I think that the rest of the playmakers are, are going to be solid. I think that defense, though, the defense is really the reason why I'm going to pick them to go 11-1 and and not 10-2 and or 9-3. and I – I really do believe that that even though they might struggle on offense to to really find their find exactly what they want to do early in the year, 
I just think right out of the gate, you've got a you've got a defense just filled with returning starters. This isn't a this isn't a young defense like like Justin Fields and, and some of the guys on offense are this and, and especially on that offensive line who just might need to take time to to get used to the schedule. This is a defense that have been there, done that, and sure, they were not up to par last year. No one could possibly argue that. But I, I think early in the season they'll carry them enough to get them get them through some games. I'm honestly, I'm not sure which of the four games that, that I would pick them to lose, but you're right that Nebraska, Michigan State, Northwestern, Wisconsin, I just feel like at, at some point there, there's a trip-up game. I don't know which one I, I would pick, but I just feel like one of those that they would lose. And then at the end of the year, like you said, I think that I think the defense will, will continue to be playing as well as I am sort of imagining them to play. And at that point, I think Justin Fields will have hypothetically upped his game to – to to another level than, than what he would be at early in the season and if you had asked me a few months ago I would have picked ten and two because I would have just looked Same. at I would I would have looked at the defense and I and and to be honest I've I've sort of bought into what the defense is selling and that's that's the reason why why I think they'll they'll go eleven one and and with that I, I would probably pick them to make the college football playoff. We're both going 11-1. We're both going to college football playoff. I tell you, Colin and I had conversations about this months ago, mm-hmm. and we weren't in that place. So Not at all. I don't know if we're just drinking the Kool-Aid from being around. I'm drink- you know. I'll say this. I am drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid specifically, though, for the defense. I am not drinking the Kool-Aid for Justin Fields. I think he. I think he's going to need time. I really do. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid for J.K. Dobbins. I think that J.K. Dobbins is going to have a really good year. And um, I think we're both in agreement that Justin Fields is going to be better in November than yes, he's going to be in September. Absolutely. And that's the key because I don't think Justin Fields needs to be great for them to beat Cincinnati or Indiana. I think he needs to be great for them to beat Penn State mm-hmm. and Michigan. And whoever he is is going to determine yeah. whether these predictions ultimately come true. Yes, and and, and that's, why the, that's why the defense is, is really what makes a difference to me because if you had asked me along – if you had asked me in March – I would have said, well, this is the same personnel. Like, I think some of the defense, some of the defensive schemes, like maybe this this will be interesting, but but I'm not a hundred percent sure that that this is this is better. I mean, at the end of the day, largely the same guys. Like we're gonna say over and over, we're gonna say that this entire year because I think a lot of people are gonna compare what Ohio State does in 2019 to 2018, fair or not. Um, and and to be honest, just the way the way that I've heard the defensive backs talk. Um, the way that the way that I've, I, I really do believe that the linebackers will be improved, even though a lot I feel like a lot of the fans don't. That 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 pushes me over the edge. Well, we're starting to run out of time here. I was I was telling Colin beforehand we're writing all this stuff down on the sheet, and I told him we're gonna we're gonna talk way too long, and we're not gonna get to half of this stuff, and that is the case. But the good news is this is gonna be a weekly show. We're gonna have a lot of time to talk about a lot of different things. Uh, I was going to talk to Colin a little bit about basketball. We're running out of time on Listen, that. Listen, I'll do that in 10 seconds. Really, not much to learn. There we go. Yeah. I, we talked we, to Chris Holtman today, 33 minutes, not a ton new. Cale Wesson looks really good. Musa Jallo and, and Justin Arns, they had some injuries this offseason that, that held them held them out. It shouldn't hold them out of any games, but that's the basketball update. It's the offseason, not a ton going on. Yeah, we do know you guys this week are not – probably don't want to listen to us talk about basketball probably we will not. we will 
uh, come January, February, when football is out of season, we will talk a little bit more about basketball on here, um, when, especially if the team's doing well. Um, you know, we'll, we'll certainly talk a little bit more about basketball. Uh, so, but he doesn't have to toot his own horn. I do want to encourage you all, if you haven't already, go to 11warriors.com, read Colin's story on Michi Johnson. Colin went up to Garfield Heights a couple weeks ago and talked to Michi, who is their uh, most recent commit for the Ohio State basketball team uh, for the class of 2021. A really talented guard, recovering from a torn ACL right now, but somebody who uh, was really one of Ohio State's top targets for the class of 21 and somebody that they're really excited about. And Colin did a, a great piece on him. So you'll want to read that to get to know Ohio State's newest commit really well. And just in general, you're going to want to read 11 Warriors because the season's starting, which means we have more content than ever. Uh, all the stuff that you've come to know and love from 11 Warriors will be back this year. Uh, we've got a new podcast, as you guys have just listened to. Uh, we're, we're going to you know, try to keep things fresh and try to make things better than ever. So uh, that's our goal. And, and as we said at the start of the episode, we want you guys to, to give us your feedback and let us know. Uh, what you like about this podcast, what you don't like, uh, what you like about the site, and what maybe you think we could do that we're not doing already. Listen, uh, we can take it. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we want you guys to be a part of a conversation because we know there's a lot of podcasts out there. We, we know that if you guys are taking the time to listen to us, you're probably choosing to listen to us over someone else that you could listen to, and there's a lot of great people on this beat who do great podcasts. So we want this to be worth your time. And we want to hear from you guys, uh, especially as the season gets going. If you guys have specific questions for us or specific topics you want us to talk about, uh, you can comment on, on the post on the site. Uh, you can put uh, topics or questions in there. We'll try to get to them. Yeah, uh, I, think you, we'll, I think we'll probably make a habit of posting in the forum like a day or two before the podcast, before we record, just any topics you want to hit, any questions. Because to be honest, like when I do a mailbag, I'll always get hit with uh, with with a question. That I'm like, wow, that I feel like I just want to think about this and talk this through for 20 minutes. And you can't do that in a, in a mailbag, really. Um, you can only you only have so many words. But 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 I would love to hear any any questions, any topics, any suggestions. Yep, and you can also hit us up on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is at dan underscore hope. He is c Haas hill. And good luck spelling that. Yeah, that is C-H-A-S-S-H-I-L-L. We'll let him take that one. And again, we want to thank you all for listening. Uh, we still got the 11 dubcast, so don't worry. We're not replacing those guys. Those guys, those guys do an excellent job, so we want you to listen to both of these podcasts. Uh, and we want you to check out everything at 11 Warriors. We've got to give a shout-out to the Upper Arlington Library where we recorded our first episode for uh, approving our use of a meeting room. Uh, no one's even come in here to, to tell us to, to quiet down at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually surprised. We can get a little rambunctious in here, but uh, uh, we, we do appreciate uh, them approving. We didn't really have many debates, though. That uh, must be episode two. That'll happen. That'll that'll happen. But uh, yeah, we gotta we gotta get out of here. Colin, any final thoughts? No, I'm just excited to do it. I'm. A, we, we've talked about this for so long. We talked. To, we I think we talked about it last season. But there's no better time to 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 get it started than than right when Buckeyes kick off in just a couple days. Well, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Real Pod Wednesdays. Check back 
next Wednesday. I think you guys can figure out which day this is going to be published on the website. It's going to be Wednesdays every week, or at least that's the plan. And next week we're going to have a first game to talk about, and we'll, we'll, we'll look ahead to that second game against Cincinnati. So thank you so much for listening in, and we'll catch up with you guys next week. Bye.